0: Welcome to our podcast Code Cafeteria. We are Lara, Miguel and Kai, and we talk about developer life, tech, games, and other things. This is episode 2, and today we are gonna talk about our past job experiences. Miguel will talk about what he learned about gaming industry when he worked there. Kai is gonna share his experience working in Germany and New Zealand before becoming a freelancer. And I will talk about my life as QA before becoming a developer. So what about starting with Kai? I know that... Hello, hello, Kai. So in the introduction, in our episode introduction, you explained that you studied maths at college, right?
1: Yes, I did.
0: So can you explain how did you end up in tech working as a developer?
1: Okay so I think I need to start with what I did before I went to uni. So I mean as a kid and as a teenager I always liked computers and I had a Commodore 64 and then like a PC and I did some programming back then basically and in, in the German high school system there is not a lot of computer science or informatic, as it's called there, you know, the, the informatic you learn at school is pretty much, um, you sit in a computer lab and you do stuff with Excel and Word. I mean, at least back in the day when I went to, went to high school. So not really knowing what computer science was from school, I decided I just study something that I enjoyed in high school, and that was mathematics, basically. So I did a degree in math, um, but realized quite early on that I don't want to become a professionally trained mathematician in, in a sense that the degree pretty much prepares you to become an academic in math, which is cool, but I didn't want to do that. So during my degree, I started to take computer science lecturers as well and um, ended up having a job at the university as a student researcher first. And that's how I got back into programming pretty much. And obviously I did some programming for mathematics classes like numerical simulations and things like that. But that's kind of how I ended up being in, in the field of software development again through university. Um, and my first job in tech was really while I was at university. It was kind of the late nineties in Europe. And that was the wave of the first dot-com boom. And people were getting money and throwing money out of the window to build terrible website ideas, basically, and terrible e-commerce solutions. And someone needed a developer. And I was happily, you know, involved with that kind of scene and got my first software development job, really, while I was still at uni.
0: That's very interesting because um, I studied in Spain like Miguel, Um, and I don't think I had the opportunity to study something different, like having some credits on computer science. I was also studying something different, but having the opportunity to learn some other topics will have been really rich and probably eye-opening for myself, but that's interesting, And, and the thing is that you got into the tech world when it was booming.
1: Yeah, so kind that's of. A good,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: And people were people were actually burning money like crazy. I was working at a company at the time in in Dusseldorf, which is in the um, western part of Germany. And it's, it's a city well known for fashion and for a bit of like, you know, being a bit of a posh city. And the company I worked for at the time, they were on a mission to build like, a massive global travel portal website thingy. And they had like a super fancy office. You know, they pro- they basically ordered sushi for the whole team every day for lunch. They had expensive artworks on the walls, you know, that kind of stuff, like totally stereotype, like a massive pool table and all sorts of crazy things. But the owners had no idea of any tech, basically. It was crazy. You know, we had like a few developers, And we bought things like Solaris servers from Sun, like actual, you know, physical Sun hardware for incredible amounts of money. And today you think about that and it's like, oh my God, we should not have done any of that.
0: (laughs) I, to be honest, I don't know what it means that the Solaris thing.
1: (laughs) Think about very expensive, specialized hardware, essentially, that you could have easily done with other hardware.
0: Instead. okay yeah totally get it they had a lot of money to burn
1: yeah pretty right? much and the money didn't last long I mean after like half a year it was gone pretty much
0: wow so so you started with web development yes you said um I know that you have been doing for some years called fusion right
1: Yes. Which
0: technologies did you use, for example?
1: So I got into ColdFusion, funny enough, through that first job out of uni, because they were kind of using that. And it's a nice technology if you want to do rapid web development. It's very well suited for that, basically. And so I got involved with that at uni, at my uni jobs before I was doing Java, and Java and ColdFusion kind of go really well together because ColdFusion runs on a JVM platform basically. So you can mix and match kind of both technologies anyway. So that was not really a hard learning curve. And after that, you know, dot-com company ran out of ran out of money. Um, I got another job at a consultancy and they were using ColdFusion as well. So that kind of merged into each other quite nicely basically. And I just stuck with the technology then started the first German called fusion blog back at the day basically. And that's where kind of, um, my, my social media handle agent K comes from because the blog is called Block in black. So it was all men in black themed basically. And yeah, basically, so for the next few years, until 2005, I worked at one company, like a consultancy firm, like I said, and we built software solutions for all sorts of companies, small companies, massive companies. I did some work for some car manufacturer. I did some work for, um, big electronics retailer in Germany without mentioning a name, um, I did some work for the European Union government in Uh, Brussels and in Portugal so it was really interesting you know it's like I wasn't traveling that much but I had occasional travel and I could just play with the technology and do cool things.
0: That sounds awesome so you've been doing front-end web you've been doing back-end as well you've been doing all stacks.
1: Yeah I would probably limit the front-end to very basic front-end right it's like I'm not a Front-end developer. I'm not a full-stack dev, if you want to call it like that. I wouldn't go ahead and say I'm comfortable building really modern UIs with JavaScript and Node and CSS and all those things. I can, I can build a website with forms and stuff, but it won't be pretty necessarily. So I would say, like in those in during those years, I was doing mainly backend development and database stuff and integration with other platforms but not really frontend as such
0: yeah more like the architecture the foundation yeah nice that sounds really nice um you've been working as a freelancer you've been freelancing for lots of years now um i would like to I would like, I'm curious to know when did you start with mobile development? Because we, we met each other in a mobile conference, in an Android-specific conference. Mm-hmm. And knowing that you've been working, like, not in the front-end side, but on more like the back-end side in the beginning, I would like to know when did you switch, when that transition started. It was because you started freelancing and it was the kind of jobs you were getting, a bit of that
1: no it was it was actually different so I started freelancing in New Zealand so we moved here 2005 or end of 2005 um, and the way how you get into a country like New Zealand is usually through like a work visa or a migrant visa or something like that so we did a thing called a skilled migrant um, permanent residency which basically meant I had a job here so I came here, had a job offer from a company and worked for that company for a year. And that was also very focused around backend development and ColdFusion and Java. And then for a variety of reasons, thought I don't really want to do that anymore. And luckily, I got my first freelance contract through a friend of mine, who you also know, Kay Smoljak, who lives in Berlin now. And um, she was in Perth at the time in Australia and was working on a project again, like a travel thing, funny enough. And she needed help with that. So she brought me in basically to work with the people who owned that project. And we did that for probably two years or something like that. It wasn't full-time, it was part-time, but I picked up some other work and then I started doing freelancing, mainly doing um, Fusion and backend related things. But that was also the time when I got into Flash and Adobe Flex or Macromedia Flex, what it was called back then, which was basically a client technology that they were pushing to use Flash for more than interactive movies, but for what they called rich internet applications. So you would would basically build an app that runs in Flash or Flex, in the Flash player, and then in your browser with the idea of Having an easier way to build something that looks and works exactly the same on every browser. Because keep in mind, back then, the browser landscape was by far not as elaborate as it is today, where you can build something in JavaScript and it usually works in all the major browsers. I mean, back then, that wasn't the thing. You know, there was jQuery, which was still quite new, basically, to help with those problems. But yeah. So Flash and Flex kind of tried to get into that game. And that's how I got more into front-end at that time because I was never a fan of JavaScript and CSS deeply, really. And so I've been doing freelancing since then, since 2006, which is like 13-ish years now, or in the 14th year, basically. And I got into mobile as such, like proper mobile um, through Kotlin. Funny enough. So I, at some point I discovered Kotlin as an interesting new language on the JVM and that was very early, like a 0.3, 0.4 version or something like that. And just played with that and had a look at the language. And then all of a sudden it got a massive boom in Android where people from the Android community picked it up more and more. And I always liked Android, but I never had a massive reason to, um, to work in it. And that would have been around 2014, 2015-ish, basically. And that's when I developed an interest in Android all of a sudden through Kotlin. I thought like, oh, I should have a look and play with that. And that's how I got more into this Android, into the Android world, basically.
0: That's very interesting. We met. I remember that we met in 2017. When did Google say that they finally supported Kotlin? Or they was officially that 2018, I think. 18. Just I don't remember if it was during the 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 year we met or it was after that. I I'd say after that.
1: Yeah, I think so too because we would have met in summer 2017. Yeah. There was the first droidcon at Messe Berlin, right? At Co- yeah. uh, at um at the cube. And I like to think they officially announced support for Kotlin at IO in 2018, but I might be wrong.
0: Hmm. I started working on Android in 2017. So it I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting that you say that you got into, into Android development because you learned about Kotlin, but it was not f- officially supported by Google at that time. Yeah. yeah. So you had to go to Java. You knew already Java, so you had to go back to Java.
1: Yeah, I used Java for a lot of things back then, basically in Android. And I mean, realistically, sometimes you still do for, you know, when you work at code that exists, you're not necessarily rewrite everything. So I still find that occasionally I write Java Android code, you know, for better or worse, basically. But I mean, getting Kotlin to work on, on Android wasn't that hard back then, even when it wasn't officially supported. You could write at least your own code quite easily in Kotlin and then run it in Android with like maybe a few little tweaks and settings, but it wasn't like, you know, super difficult to do that. So, I mean, even though it wasn't officially supported, people just did it all back then at the time, ta- all the time, I think.
0: I didn't know that. That's interesting. Um, and what do you do nowadays?
1: Well, I'm still freelancing <laughs> um, and <laughs> doing my own thing and my own projects. I have, well, I try to usually have one bigger client that takes a good chunk of my time um, and then supplement that with smaller projects at the site or like, you know, training courses or some sort of like one-off consulting things. And so currently I work for a client in Australia which is in the fields of online dating and um, my main work for them is currently around the existing app, but we, of, we have also started a new project just this week basically, which is a Greenfields development um, comprising a Flutter app and a completely new backend with like a REST API and JSON. And um, so I'm, I'm gonna work mainly on the API side of things, but probably will also at least do some bits in Flutter, from what I hope.
0: (laughs) So thank you a lot, Guy, for sharing with us all your past experiences. Now I would like to go and start to ask Miguel what his job experiences are. I know that Miguel studied computer science. He's the only person here in the room today that studied computer science and transitioned to tech from com- to computer science. And I know he started working um, while he was studying. Am I correct? Yeah, that's correct. Can you ex- can you explain us a little bit more?
2: It's very usual to when you are doing the last years of, of university that you um, are kind of invited to start working in a company because that will be part of your credits when you finish the the career and i was i i found a job in the same town that i was living it was a very very small company like six people seriously and they were doing some sort of hardware for um, networking systems so I they they needed someone who did software because they were all people from telecommunications let's say telecommunications engineering, and they needed someone who did some software for managing one of the networking systems that they have. This is something that you will give to someone without experience, you know. So that was the case, and that was in fact my so that that inter that internship became also my let's say, my career project. So at the end of the career, you have to do a project, and I did a project based on my experience in that internship. Fast forward, when I finished this internship, I actually worked for a year more in this company, but it was not very interesting, I will say. It was not... So I did a little bit of Java, I did a little bit of embedded software in C, but I will say the company was not really... A company that you will name, I will say, they were really small, really small projects. There was nothing coming from it. But I think it was more interesting is the company that I worked after that.
0: So it's good that you, while we're studying, got an internship and started working. That work gave you the, the opportunity to be used as a final project. And then after that, you basically finish your degree or engineering and then continue working there for a while right that's you you already made it to tech
2: yeah that was it it was very easy to get into into um a job let's say and to get into tech it was i mean it was easy to get into tech but when you were interviewing to other companies and to trying to get better jobs it was really hard because the, the funny thing is Kai um, was saying that he started working on the .NET bubble. So I started working after the .NET bubble. It was, uh, it was also the time where there, there was the Spanish crisis, where there was all these problems with people that could, could not pay their houses and all, this, all these economical problems that happened in Spain. It was right, right when I was started working my, in, my, in my career. So getting new jobs was really hard. I had a job, I had a full-time job, let's say. I could just stay there, but I was very, being very underpaid and it was impossible to find
1: something else. Can I just chime in quickly and ask a question? Yeah. Um, like your internship that you talked about a few minutes ago, was that paid or was it like a free internship because it was university mandated?
2: No, it was paid. It was paid. Okay. It was. I can say it was six hundred euros per month, um, tax-free, and it was uh, part-time. So it was twenty hours per week.
1: Okay, that's still not a lot. It's not a in lot, the grand of but things.
2: it's better than zero.
1: So yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and probably um, after after finishing, and you you kept that job you said you were underpaid. Yeah. And it was difficult to find jobs. Nowadays, you will just leave, right? And find something else better paid.
2: Yes, yes. I was, I think that my curriculum was not, um, it had nothing special in it, right? I was just a computer science student that was graduated and I had experience in some technologies that were not very marketable because it was just uh, some sort of Java code and and also a little bit of an embedded software. But I was not doing websites. I was not doing apps. It, it was not a thing back in those days even. It was just a starting to pick up. So the market was very different to what the market is today. And for me, I, I had a lot of problems to find a new job, but I eventually got one. And got one in a company that was... Um, It was a gaming company, but it was not gaming for video games, but it was gaming for casinos and they were paying way better. That's uh, absolutely. So it was no brainer for me to take that job. And the technology that that they were using is completely different, but they interviewed me. They say, "Okay, you know, development, you obviously is going to going to learn everything that you need to learn here. So start to work with us. And then, then I switched technologies and I switched from what is, it was um, Java and embedded software in C to C Sharp and also C++. So it was a completely different thing.
0: That's very interesting. Uh, the part, the most interesting part, I'd say, is the casino. Yes. Yes. what did you what did you do in this company which kind so, of software
2: yeah um, I w- i'm i'm going to give a disclaimer first that nothing that i'm saying here is uh, is a secret let's say everything that i'm saying is is how it works is how all the software works in the world so i'm not i'm not saying oh this if you go to this machine and you do this combination you go into the debug mode of the machine i'm not i'm not explaining this kind of thing so if you're expecting that sorry to disappoint but what i was working oh, is oh, um oh. yeah um, three <laughs> different types of products let's say one is um, casino management software which is um when you let's say modern casinos nowadays you use a cart that, that carries your cash. You don't go around with a pap- paper cup with, with coins, you know, like in the movies, you actually just carry a card, which is less romantic, but whatever. And you put the card in the machine and then you play. So this management system was telling how much cash there was in the system, how much cash there were in the, in the cards, in the people carrying it around and so. Then I worked also on lottery systems which is what you can imagine, everything that has to do with selling lottery and also checking who won and what was the price of the lottery. was. I would say that this was a bit the bo- most boring one because it's, it's just like an, a, a huge Excel file at the end, right, with lots of numbers and, and that's it. And then I also worked on the slot machines. And that's, those were the video slot machines, the ones that have a, a screen And the screen plays a game there. So if you're not familiar with what a slot machine is, think of it like a grid where you see some symbols. And every time you play, what these symbols do, they change and then they finish, They, they stop, let's say. And then you have a combination on the screen. And depending on the combination that you have on the screen, you get a price back. So I worked also creating video games, let's say those video games that go into the slot machines.
0: Let's start talking about what you did afterwards. Okay. I
2: basically when I quit that job, I moved to Germany. And and that's where um where I moved. So we moved to Germany, we moved together one day we can explain this this story, I think. But when it comes to, to tech, I got a job doing something completely different again. So I was, I, at that time, I was doing C Sharp and C++. I got interviewed to do also something related to C Sharp, but for video playback. Not for video games, but for video playback. And immediately, I will say the first week in the job, they asked me, do you want to take this project? And that was an Android project and that's how i started doing android and it was doing android with uh, c++ because it i had to do something with ndk and for like 3 years i worked exclusively with um, with ndk and android also at the same time doing video player sdks so all, all the time that i switched technology it has been like that it has been I got hired for a job. I was more interested in the in the company than what they were doing or the stack. And then they said, oh, do you want to take on this project? And it was completely different technology. I said, yeah, of course. I never cared about the stack that I was working on until very recently. And I will say it's because I never found fun to work in tech until until very recently also as well.
0: Wow. Okay, so I uh, I see a pattern uh, on you and Kai. Like you've been working for years, and then you evolve and you start working in with other technologies. Like you are adapting to the the trends on tech, right?
2: Yeah, I go I go where I go paid, kind of. So <laughs> I know Good that there's people. Put it. Yeah, I know that there's people who came out from university, they got a job in Android development, and then they have been doing Android development for 10 years. I think they are lucky that they have been able to do that. But also at the same time, maybe they are missing something that they will like also. So in my case, I've been switching things. Now I'm doing Flutter, for example, and I have no complex in saying that. And and if one day I can do backend, I will do it. So no problem.
1: I think it's actually really useful to at least occasionally swap technologies and look into other platforms. At the same time, it's also very nice if you have one common constant thing that you can fall back to or that you use all the time. And for me, I mean, that's in my case, that's called Fusion. I've been using that for like 20 years or something like that. But then still you take chances to look into other technologies Mm. here and then and something sticks and some other stuff doesn't stick basically.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: For For me has been mobile now because if Flutter fails for some reason, I will always go back to doing Android development or even iOS development if it happens. So I I found a niche there where I'm I'm feeling comfortable.
0: So you found mobile development, which is the thing you like.
2: Exactly, exactly. I think it's I like it because it gets close to people. And some other technologies that I used in the past are not close to people, or I will say even harm people in some way. So uh, this is close to people, and this is this is actually is nice. I think you can do a lot of great things with mobile development. So I would like to ask Lara now about your experience. What do you think? Okay. Yes. Yes. Yes, yeah, sure. So um, I think you have the most interesting career path from us because you didn't study computer science also your first job like Kai like Kai well yeah of course but there is there I I will say that there's a lot of people who did math and then went into into programming there's way less people who did biology like you and then went into Mm -hmm. programming
0: yeah um that's true I studied biology at university and the thing is that was the only thing I thought I liked when I was 18 and I had to choose a degree or something to learn so yeah um, I guess it was also like a big taboo to change careers and to change um, degrees so um, I didn't I didn't even think of doing it, even though at some points I was I was sure I will not get a job in biology. And I knew that continuing learning will mean for me not getting a job in the end anyways. Um, but since I started, I just finished. And then um, after finishing college, uh, I moved to, to Berlin with, with you, Miguel. You were working. I didn't have a job. I did not have like a future in biology field, and I guess I was I was curious about what you were doing at at work and seeing you um, coding on a laptop and doing weird things with the terminals, like in the movies. Um, so I was. I was asking you to to teach me things, like just showing me what you were doing, but I I remember asking and not understanding anything. And at some point, you were like, also like, um, why not? Why don't you start an online course on programming? <laughs> kind of just learn by yourself. <laughs> and it was that's not how like that. I. No, <laughs> I, I probably I was a bit a bit. Uh, pushy like show me show me show me um but it's I started doing online courses just for fun and because I was bored by learning um only German <laughs> which is basically what I was doing all day and so yeah um while learning German in the new country I started doing online courses I, I started learning Python Um, working with objects, I did not understand anything, but still I could see something working, it was fun, Um, and I tried different kind of online courses, still not finding what I wanted to do, but it was fun, Um, and at some point I I decided to kind of learn more programming, but still I thought I had to do something with biology, so I decided to to do a master's degree online uh, on biotechnology, which um, didn't bring me all the programming I wanted. I ended up doing things on data with the terminal, with the art language, and one year of statistics. And that was awful. I still have nightmares. (laughs) (laughs) I still don't understand anything on statistics. Um, So it was fun. I was learning. But I'd say that it was fun, the part of priming, but not the statistics. So I finished the master's degree. I was like, well, now what? (laughs) Should I get a job as a statistician? I don't know what I'm doing um so that was kind of the way i started with programming um and for how i did the switch to tech um i remember that yumi and me went to like a a fair like a a tech fair here in berlin uh, because you were looking for I don't know which kind of thing like testing and you were you wanted to ask questions at yeah different companies. it was it
2: was an app development f- trade show it was weird I, I think it had some talks but it was mostly um kind of uh, we we just went to like the the booths in the area and we didn't go to any talk but we just went to the booths to see if there was a job for you kind of and also to see oh. um Uh, And also, I was interested in learning things, but um, we were were mostly curious to see.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember that you wanted me to bring CVs. Sorry. (laughs) I don't know if I did it, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now I'm remembering everything. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So all I remember from that, or what I thought I remember was that you started talking with a company that were doing um, testing for companies like crowdsourcing test how do you say? Yeah, crowdsourcing, crowdsourcing testing, yeah. Yeah, and because you, it was something that was also uh, very very interesting for you for the company because you didn't have test testers and one day you suggested that Maybe that could be something I could do. Um, so, this company basically, what they, they did is like a bunch of people around the world that will test apps and websites and bring and um, raise issues, bugs, etc. Will run test cases, will write test cases. All those things from testing that I didn't know back then. And you suggested that that could be something I could do or could I could try. And, and to learn something about technologies, tech, and make some money, right?
2: And also learn a profession. It was more the thing than the money.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The money, uh, the money part, it was almost non-existent in this thing. <laughs> it was really bad paid. Um, but that's maybe from for another po- podcast of bad paid experiences um I don't know so that's true I learned a lot I learned how testing worked I learned all the concepts I was always looking for more information and then one day it it came out to me I was like maybe I can do that in real life like not online but in a company here in Berlin and then I started looking for companies that were looking for quality assurance, manual testers.
2: Yes, I remember going with you to too many interviews because you were so nervous.
0: Of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did interviews in English. I did interviews in German. I was so nervous all the time. I, I needed someone <laughs> to come with me and, <laughs> and support me. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. <laughs> I remember it, yes. And yeah, I remember that I started looking for something I would like to do, uh, work on, like uh, gaming companies, testing games, why not? Tried, failed. And one day I got a job in a uh, mobility company in Berlin. And that's how I started in, in tech, basically.
2: It was great because the team that you joined was, um, was a mobile team, actually. It was a team that was building mobile apps.
0: Yes, yes. That was, that was really cool. Um, I started working on a mobile team that was that where we had iOS and Android developers. And I was the only QA. And, and I was learning everything and, and learning processes as well. So it was really, really nice.
2: Yeah, so you learned what Scrum is, um, tickets, all these kind of things.
0: Yeah, we went through a phase of making the company agile. So we went from zero to super agile. And we went from Trello to Jira, for example. Um, But yeah, um, that job taught me a lot, a lot, a lot. Yes. But I was still QA, which was not what I wanted to do.
2: Being a QA, did you learn a lot of things that you could use now in your in your job as a developer, as a as a software developer?
0: Yeah, I learned lots. Um, I mean, I got in the job by just knowing how to operate, like with things like finding things, reporting things, um, and I learned things like using a, a proxy to debug and see what the backend was sending, for example, or, um, for example, deploy uh, some branch that from the backend API to our staging server so I could use it for testing. It was just a couple of clicks, but I was seeing different things.
1: Do you you find with having had the experience of being QA in the past that you look at and treat QA people in your current roles differently than other developers?
0: Probably, yes. Probably yes, uh, because when I was a QA, I had very mixed experiences with people—very nice people and very, not very nice people—and now I see that many developers look at QA as like a lower level people, which is not something that is happening nowadays in my current company. Everyone. We all are super happy with everyone. Everyone is like at the same level. Doesn't matter your role, and which is something not very common in the world. But in the past, yes, um, developers were um, had the priority. For example, when when I was QA, I remember that my team, one of the teams, were were saying, no, 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 no. If we have to deploy and the regression has not been finished because we only have one QA um, and and she did not have the time to finish, we are going to ship it anyways, you know? So it was not a priority that the regression test passed because deployment goes first. Um, So it was like, well, if QA can finish, nice. If not, nice as well. (laughs) So at some points I was like, well, maybe my job is useless. Like not, I don't know. It was still meaningful, but not as meaningful as I thought it would be. Um, but that doesn't happen nowadays in Shake my current my roles. Head.
2: Shake yeah. my <laughs> so much. I, yeah, I many, work many in things.
0: companies
2: that we didn't have QA. And I had to fight so much that we could hire a QA for years. I can't imagine a developer saying, Oh, I don't trust QA oh um, I don't want of them to finish things. you know what it is for a developer to build the thing and have to test it It's terrible it's awful so shake my head completely
0: It's not that they didn't didn't trust or they trust QA or someone didn't trust QA but it was it was more like oh regression or QA w- won't be a blocker for. Deploying things like shipping things, you know, if QA didn't finish the task, we are going to continue anyways, regardless. Which, yeah, my current company, my current team, that does not happen. If regression has not finished, we just wait deploy for deploying.
2: So how do you transition from QA to your current role, let's say, or to become a developer?
0: So funny story is that the same week I started working as QA, a study group started in in Berlin the same week. And in this study group, I started learning Android for free with coaches in one of those um, events, meetups organized by women tech makers we were talking about women tech makers in the last episode about developers communities and that's how i started learning android that's when i saw i love this i love that i can type some things in this ide i run it and i see it on an emulator and seeing an emulator like like a phone running on my laptop that was freaking cool That was super cool. I did a bit of web development, like learning before that. It was boring. But these, like, I was running small applications, like dumb things, but on a phone in my laptop. Come on. That was so cool. And I basically just continued learning and spent a year and something learning. And then I told my manager, well, I, you know that I want to become an Android developer. And I kept saying that for months until I was like, well, if I don't make it in this company, I will do it somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I said that. <laughs> um, but it happens. I, I transitioned in the same company. So basically, I when I found... We found a replacement for me, like someone else to work on in, in the QA team. I transitioned to Android and I worked with my own colleagues, the ones that were getting reports, reports from me. I was working with them and reviewing PRs or trying to, at least.
2: That's awesome. And I think it's so great, that list, that you could stay in the same team but um, do you feel that they, they started to treat you differently after you switch your role? I know it's very difficult to answer, but um, do you feel that they forgot that you were the QA and that now you are a developer?
0: Yeah, so my my team, the developers were at that point, they were super nice with me and everything kept being the same. Um, it's true that since I kept working at the same place with the same people, it didn't feel like I switched roles, like officially, I don't know, if you, you change the place, you have like a, a stop. And I didn't have that. So I didn't feel like, oh, now I'm an Android developer. I didn't see any difference in that regard. But of course, the difference was that I got tickets to implement and develop and and that was really cool to to start slow as well, pairing with people, trying to learn things, small things, breaking lots of things as well. Awesome. Wow. Thank you a lot for sharing your experiences. I hope that our listeners, you, have learned something today or even got inspired to maybe try new technologies. I hope I can see you in the next episode where we will be talking about operating systems for developers. Thank you and see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Ciao, ciao.
1: See you. Bye.